1: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hey, how you doing? This is uh, Rob Feinstein from RF Video. And this time I'm on the hot seat for being interviewed. Huh? I guess go ahead and take it away and you could ask me whatever you want to ask.
0: Yeah, you certainly are on the hot seat, Feinstein. Listen, first and foremost, I just want to say... From the bottom of my heart, honestly, thank you very much. You were the guy behind RF Video. You were the guy who created Ring of Honor Wrestling, the original Ring of Honor Wrestling. You were the guy who ECW trusted with all of their footage. You you were doing the the tapes and and the eventual DVDs of some of their greatest moments in history. You literally are one of the most important pieces of the puzzle of the modern-day wrestling fandom, and from the bottom of my heart, from on behalf of all the fans, just want to thank you, Rob, seriously, for all you've done, man.
1: Oh, thank you. I mean, I love the business. I have a huge passion for it, so if it wasn't for my passion and love of the business, I don't know what I'd be doing.
0: You know what makes me scratch my head about you? You were such a young... I, I, you're still a young guy, but you were such a young guy 20 years ago, and yet you were the guy that they trusted to do a lot of that filming of the ECW stuff. How the hell did you even get involved in that?
1: Well, it's a funny story. I first met Todd Gordon at a wrestling convention. Um, this was in 92, and he bought a, a Ric Flair video off of me, the best of Ric Flair, and he told me he was starting up a company called ECW in, in 1993. And I asked Todd, I said, Todd, can I come to the show and possibly set up my merchandise table there? Because I was just selling VHS tapes back in 91 and 92. And he invited me to the very first TV tapings, and Paul Heyman was at those tapings. And I knew Paul from going backstage at NWA shows, but I didn't know him personally. I just knew, knew of him, and uh, I met him a couple times backstage here and there, and I'd meet him at Joe Goodhart's luncheons. He would do these functions with uh, meet and greets. So I didn't really have any relationship with Paul at the time. But I went and I did the very first uh, TV taping at the ECW Arena for Todd, set up merchandise. Eddie Gilbert was the booker then, and he was on his way out. And then Paulie took over. And uh, when Paulie took over, I started, you know, talking to him behind the scenes, and uh, I got friendly with him, and that's how I built up my pretty much my business relationship with Paul was all through the early days of 93
0: ECW. ECW was, like, the coolest cult going on at the time. I mean, legitimately, it was if you were down with ECW, you you would whisper it, and then suddenly the, the T-shirts started popping up, and then everyone was trading the tapes from RF Video. It was a scene, man. Like, it literally was a, a, a place to belong to. What's interesting, too, is that you were there to see it all behind the scenes. Everyone thinks about the old school ECW, sex, drugs, and violence. What's, what's one of the big misconceptions as a guy who was there and actually saw what was really going on? What's one of the biggest misconceptions that's out there about that time period in, in that company?
1: Well, the drugs was definitely there. I didn't do any drugs, so (laughs) Uh, I didn't really go to the hotels after the shows in Philadelphia, but I've heard all the stories with the ring rats and stuff. Um, I never took part in any of that stuff. But, um, I mean, everything that you've heard, the rock and roll lifestyle, that was ECW. I mean, especially when they started, you know, doing the national TV tapings across the country every week. And we were on the road. We were on the road every weekend. We were flying to a different, you know, town all over the country, and it it was a rock star lifestyle, and these guys were rock stars, and they did do drugs, and everything you've read about and and heard about on interviews or, you know, different people, you know, put in their publications, it it happened. These guys were larger than life. What what was your favorite event? ECW and and Paul Heyman, he produced so many top-notch shows. It's very hard to just choose one and say that was the best one. I mean, there's just there's so many. Matter of Respect, 98, uh, November to November, 97. Uh, there's just, it's, it's endless. Heat Wave 98, a lot of the shows were just over the top. And, you know, you watch them back today, and they still stand to the test of time. I think I got the respect from Paul, and um, trust me, you know, being as young as I was back then, because he saw that I had a passion, and I probably reminded him, you know, of himself with me, you know?
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and again, because you're behind the scenes and you're seeing this this movement get built from the ground up, so to speak, at least at the time the modern day version of ECW where it went from Eastern Championship Wrestling to Extreme Championship Wrestling you were definitely taking some notes man that you were following the way bring up later on when you started your own thing what i find interesting is that when you would watch ECW and in between matches they do like the little videos where they would have different advertisements they started advertising RF video they started telling people to actually go to this this place in order to get all of your wrestling tapes and, and, and things of that nature.
1: I had a couple of stores in thought the, I mean, we had, I had 12 stores around the country, California, Texas, North Carolina, Boston, New York, the uh, Mall of America in Minnesota. I had a store there. It's crazy looking back at it. But another reason, you know, that we we're probably on the TV for ECW is we were selling tickets out of our stores for the ECW events, and we would do appearances. I had Taz at my store. Um, of course, we had The Rock and Bam Bam Bigelow, RVD, pretty much everybody that ever came through ECW did store appearances throughout the country at a different one of my locations. But um, we also sold a lot of the wrestling merchandise for ECW out of the stores. And I was also running the official uh, first-ever Taz fan club, so we were, uh, we were running that for Taz as well through uh, RF Video.
0: That's just insane. Insane, insane. Yeah. T- talk to me about the catalog, man, because... You know, Rob, you're, you had a catalog that rivaled the, the bill-after magazines. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you just had People say it that. was a holy. it was like the whole,
1: Yeah. Basically, uh, it was an infamous $12 catalog, and I always would say it was 500 pages, but it, honestly, it was probably like 900 pages. It was – every month we would come out with a catalog update, and we would update, and we would add maybe 30 to 50 new releases on VHS. And it composed of ECW commercial tapes, tapes with Japan, uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, USWA, uh all the independents that we would film. I mean, we got our hands on everything and anything. and Anything that we possibly get the rights to, we were selling. And, uh yeah, the catalog took a life of its own. It's the holy bible of pro wrestling. And uh I'm happy to say, looking back, I mean, I was a huge fan, and I, I collected a lot of tapes from when I was in high school. I'm talking New Japan, All Japan, Memphis, Texas, Puerto Rico. Every company you can imagine, I got my hands on their footage. And uh, everything went into our catalog.
0: What what I find interesting about that catalog, and, and again, about your business in general, this RF video, um, it developed a, a whole new subculture within the wrestling uh, fan base. I was one of the people that was in the chat rooms, and we had... ECW chats, and we had RF video, and we would compare notes. Hey, did you get this? And can you send me that? And, and all this is the this is literally the beginning of the social media stuff. Back. Yep, then.
1: it was when Prodigy was around.
0: Oh my God! Remember the Prodigy <laughs> chats? Oh, jeez.
1: Yep, Bob Ryder.
0: Yeah, Bob Ryder. Bob Ryder was running those deals there too. Yeah, good point. And he interviewed everybody too. Yep. You know, but you also had a pretty good collection of shoot interviews.
1: Yeah, yeah. That We started the whole shoot interviews through ECW, because uh, I used to get the Wade Keller's, the torch, and I said this a million times in other interviews, basically, like, I was seeing these interviews with Wade Keller doing, you know, and I was like, why is nobody doing these on video? So I started doing them on video, and we started doing the ECW guys first, and I still, to this day, I don't remember if it was Sandman or New Jack, one of those guys was our very first interview, and then I just lost them from there. It was just an incredible idea and concept, and, I mean, we sat down with it. Everybody in the big in the business from like Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Terry Funk, and I've probably done interviews with over 500 guys. I've been to Dusty Rhodes' house. I, I flew with Colorado and I sat down with Big Van Bader in his house. Um, I've been to Don. I went to Hawaii and had dinner with Don Morocco and his wife, and they, he took me personally with my best friend at the time, uh, Doug Gentry, to Sunset Beach, Hawaii, and we sat and watched sunset, and just, you know we did a three or four hour interview with him. And uh, that was probably one of the, I don't know, one of the fondest memories going back to his house. And uh, after dinner, he put on these VHS tapes, and it was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He was probably ten or eleven, and uh, he's got these tapes still, probably. And it, he's imitating different wrestlers. He's just doing promos. He was acting like Roddy Piper. And Morocco has this amazing footage of uh, Dwayne Johnson. I actually told the Rock that, but I, I you know, Don Morocco's got footage of you when you're like ten years old uh, imitating guys. That's
0: hilarious. That's hilarious. oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So you, you started to do something, which was really clever. And, and now let's let's fast forward. ECW has is, is been swallowed up by the WWE. There is a major void on the independent scene. But you, this guy that runs RF Video, you have data. You have all this data. You have an understanding of who fans are paying attention to, who are not signed to any big promotions. And just based off of the tapes that they're ordering and and the things that they're telling you and and the demand. And from that data, you let everybody know that you're putting together a super card. The the greatest independent wrestling card probably in history, you're going to build this thing. You're going to get all the stars that people have been thinking about. The American Dragon and Low Key, these young kids called the. Briscoe Brothers, the Amazing Red. you got to see this Amazing Red guy and, and people from the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy, and you're going to put them all on one card. Oh, by the way, Eddie Guerrero is going to be there. This major super card that you put together, based off of the data that you, you were generating there, who the hell do you think you are that you could put your own wrestling card <laughs> together and execute like that?
1: I don't know. I, I had confidence.
0: <laughs> you you no, sure I, did.
1: I had a lot of confidence that we knew what we were doing after being with ECW from uh, 93 until 2001 when they went out. I think they only lasted like one month in 2001. That's when they did the uh, Pine Bluff and Poplar Bluff Arkansas shows. But uh, so, yeah, after ECW was out of business, there was a year that was in between that and Ring of Honor that me and Doug would just go to these indie shows. And, uh, I mean, we were just going to indie shows even when ECW was running, and we were just noticing that there's so much amazing talent. Like, at the very end of ECW, I personally brought Loki there. I wanted Loki to come to ECW, and he got, uh, he got top blocked pretty much by another talent that didn't want him to, you know, wrestle there. And he was supposed to get a tryout out in Staten Island, and it didn't happen. I also told Paul Heeman, um, when I went down to Rudy Gonzalez's TWA training, I told him all about Shane Michaels and, uh, American Dragon and Spanky. For whatever reason he only brought Shane in and uh that's a whole another story. I had a whole idea with Teddy Hart and uh Michael Shane to do a whole Teddy Hart and Michael, you know, show Michael's angle off that, but it didn't happen. But anyway, make a long story short, yeah, near the end of ECW there was a lot of guys that I was recommending to Paul that he needed to bring in and you know, he never did for whatever reason. But when we started Ring of Honor, I had those guys on a list. Uh, me and Bill going to the indie shows, and we were pretty much composing a list of who was hot and who was not and uh, different guys that we think could really go. So we had a list of, like, 15 guys, 15 to 20 guys, and that's what you saw on February 23rd of 2002. That's uh, the very first Ring of Honor show. And um, I remember going to Gabe at the time, and I've said this before, he was very much against the idea of Ring of Honor. He told me I was going to lose my shirt and it was going to kill our video and then I was an idiot. I said nope. I said we're doing it. I said uh, it's, it's, it's time. <laughs> you know, there's a, a void in, in wrestling, especially in Philadelphia, which was just you know always one of the best cities for pro wrestling. So uh, I threw everything against the wall and made sure that it stuck.
0: Did you know at the time that you were going to turn this into a promotion, or was this originally just
1: oh yeah, that a was a deal? No, no, it was never a one show deal. We this is going to be do or die, and I, I was going to give it a year. Even if I lost money for a year, um, I was gonna do it and it was not just gonna be a one time uh you know, happening. It was I planned out. I was in it for the long term. I wanted to be the next D C W.
0: How did you get Eddie Guerrero on that card? Because here was a guy who was in the WWE, he had that I think he had a bad car accident if I'm not mistaken. And well,
1: Eddie yeah. He came to our office, we did an interview with Eddie and uh when we did the interview with Eddie he was no longer with WWE, he was taking some time off, he had some issues with them, and after the interview was over, we already had planned Ring of Honor, I think it was like, maybe a month to two months after that interview was, you know, taking place, so I took him to lunch, uh, my steak lunch, (laughs) and I proposed to him, I said, hey, uh, I didn't propose marriage, but I proposed the idea of him coming into the company, I told him what my concept was going to be, and I told him that it was going to be everything that WWE was not, it was going to be more of a realistic style of professional wrestling that, you know, I want to present wrestling as a sport like New Japan and All Japan uh, with a little mix of ECW, and uh, he liked the entire concept. And I uh, said, Eddie, I would love to have you on board. And uh, he didn't even have to think about it. He said, done deal. I'm on the show. So that's how we got Eddie. And uh, right before our show, I think he went back to the WWE because we had him twice for Ring of Honor. Now, I think he went back to WWE after our first show, and he agreed to be on our next show to tag with Red against the FATs, and he won the Intercontinental belt. And uh, so I had to go through Jim Ross, and Jim Ross allowed him, and the WWE allowed him to honor his coming with us. And uh, that's how Eddie came in for the second time, and he actually wore the WWE IC belt for us in the ring, which was uh, absolutely amazing.
0: What I find interesting about that first Ring of Honor show, you know, the era of honor begins. You had Eddie and Super Crazy and they had a fantastic match with each other, by the way. But yet your main event your main event, you got these two T V stars on your card and your main event was American Uh, Dragon, Loki, and Christopher Daniels. Yep. What the hell are you doing? You you put those guys on in the main event, these indie guys that that everyone was getting to know instead of your your TV stars. It ended up being the best thing you could ever do. But what what the hell were you thinking?
1: Oh, well, Super Crazy and uh, Eddie Guerrero were already established talents. Everybody already knew who they were, and we knew they weren't going to be on our shows in the long run. And we wanted to build guys, and we wanted to build a company around three of the hottest prospects in the, you know, world of professional wrestling, which was American Dragon, and it was Christopher Daniels at the time, and of course, uh, Loki. So, uh, we wanted to showcase them, give them the platform to be the main event, so people would be, you know, talking about them at the end of the show, and not Super Crazy and Eddie, because no matter what, Eddie and Super Crazy were still going to be stars when that show ended. And, uh, we wanted to, uh, pretty much put those guys in the shining light and let them shine and uh, built those guys up as the future of Ring of Honor. And that's what we did, and that's why we put them in the main event. And, and, of course, they carried their own, and it was a five-star match.
0: Well, here's what makes me really shake my head at you. You look at a guy like Daniel Bryan, the American Dragon, a guy that you put in the main event of your, your very first show that you promoted. This guy is a future WWE Hall of Famer today.
1: Yep. Oh, I, I – One thing, and I'm not patting myself and putting myself over, and I say this all the time, I have an amazing eye for talent. If I see somebody on any show, I have probably 50 thoughts of what I could do with them and what I would do with them and and how I would build them over time and and get them over and all the stuff. And even to this day, I go to shows, and I'll I'll watch a show, and there's going to be, like, two guys that are going to catch my eyes. And I was like, man, if I was running shows, I would use them, and I would would plan everything out in my head. I I can do that right off the top of my head even to this day and I've always had a good eye for talent. And I, I knew those guys when I went down and I saw them working for Rudy for the T W A. As soon as Team Dragon and uh, Spanky I was like, Man, these guys are these guys are gonna be stars. They had the it factor, the so called it factor.
2: Well
0: and this is the other layer of this too. You brought up Spanky Brian Kendrick who's another guy. Now he's he's an excellent trainer in his own right. Uh Amazing Red, Brian XL, these guys are developing the next Generation and even the generation after that of, of wrestling stars. Yeah, how, how does it feel, man? How does it feel to see that type of legacy? Because once again, these are people that you believed enough in to develop videos of their first. I
1: movie. yeah, it just goes with what I was saying. I have a, I'm gonna put myself over, but I just have a very good eye for talent and, and Red and, and the SATs at the time back in, and even to this day with Red especially and the SATs are coming back. Uh, in the next couple of months in Philadelphia for an indie show. But, you know, Red's in New Japan right now killing it. I mean, the kid was a monster back then. He was doing some of the most innovative things of the rain. I believed in him so much that I took him down to Dusty Rhodes' school down in Georgia with the SATs for a road trip, and uh, we actually filmed that and put it on DVD, Uh, quick plug. And um, I took those guys to Puerto Rico to get exposure. I brought them to uh, Savio Vega because they ran TV down there. And I, I I just wanted to get these guys as much exposure because I knew they they were going to be stars, especially Red. I mean he's probably one of the best high flyers and the most innovative guys that I've seen in a long time for his size. He had a look, he's unique, and uh, I saw money in him. And you know obviously other people did too after they saw him. And uh, I, I just wanted to if there's somebody that I could you know really see that's going to be a star in the business, I I want to do everything I can to help them, and I, I want to get the right eyes on them so they get exposure. You,
0: when you look at wrestling today and you see who the major stars are and you look at how from a physical standpoint how different they are than who the major stars were 25 years ago do you feel like ring of honor had an influence over how we look at a wrestling superstar in the modern era
1: oh yeah without a doubt i mean back in the day of the 80s and the 90s you know it's everybody says that it's so, so like, cliche that, you know, it was a big man's territory, blah, blah, blah. And, uh you know, like, the new guys, CM Punk and, you know, Brian and all those guys are on top. And, uh, you know, Vince didn't know if he could get behind these guys. And then once he saw them, you know, producing merchandise money and how over they were. I mean, basically it's just an like easy formula in pro wrestling. If a guy could get over in front of 100 fans, then he's going to get over in front of, you know, 80,000 fans. It's, you know the guy's the right deal and he knows what he's doing in the ring and you have the right people behind the guy to push him and storyline and he can perform, then you, you know, you have something. So I think the business has really changed in the last 20 years and it's no longer a, uh, you know, basic basing guys on size. It's more of uh, what they could do in the ring, especially now with all the spots. It's like, uh, it's not much wrestling now. It's a lot of high spots and, uh, not a lot of psychology. I mean, story, storytelling still there some of the time for some of the companies, but the product is so different, so different. I mean, I honestly, I like the products in the 80s and the 90s better than today's product. And that's just my opinion. I mean, I give the guys credit for what they do in the ring, but it blends together. It, everything just blends together, and a, a week or two later, I'll forget about it. When here in 2020, I could tell you, like um, I could just with so many different shows and remember promos that stuck out. You, you, knew, if you were to ask me like a promo from two weeks ago, and this is not picking on AEW or WWE, I couldn't remember. But what, why is it that I remember, you know, NWA Crockett and Angle that they did on '86 TV show on Worldwide? I remember to this day like perfectly. But I won't remember what happened on SmackDown three weeks ago, just because everything is the same, and it's I don't know. There's uh, and it's not that there's too much wrestling. It's uh, the creative process is so different now, and it's, it's horrible. I I'm not a big fan of uh, the creative process in wrestling today, 2020. I like I'm, angles that mean something, and I like storylines that are drawn out.
0: I'm I'm with you 100%. I mean, listen, one of the, one of the best things I ever bought from RF Video was the Flair interviews tape, VHS oh,
1: yeah. TV. Remember that? <laughs> oh, I remember 100%.
0: I, what was that, like six hours of, of Flair cutting interviews and a couple of matches um, and thrown in there? Yeah. VHS, not a DVD. Ooh, still my favorite. Listen, Rob, it, it, let me ask you something. It's something I ask a lot of folks because you've been in the business for a long time. You've seen them all. You've been responsible for helping so many different careers and, and really shaping the wrestling industry as a whole. How do you want to be remembered?
1: Whew, that's a good question. Just a guy that loves the business and pretty much a guy that would do anything for the wrestling business. And, uh, I you know, I guess that's pretty much it. Tell everybody... There's a lot lot I can, that I can say, but go ahead.
0: Well, there's there's a lot more you can say. That's why we got to bring you back some other time and, and give you a chance to complete that thought, because I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. 100%. How can everybody reach you, Rob? And... and Please,
1: plug everything, plug all well, of Yeah, Well, no, I'm on every social media platform you can think of. I'm on uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, of course, Instagram. You just go to rfvideo.com, and the links are all on there under the Contact Us section. But we have three different websites. We have uh, rfvideo.com, which is the basic website for all of our DVDs if you want to purchase DVDs and merchandise. Then we've got our eBay store, and you can go to rfvideo.com. On the right-hand side of rfvideo.com It's got the little link. And the icon for our eBay store. Then we have rfvideonow.com, which is a VOD service that we uh, have introduced about a year ago. And you go and watch all of our classic titles. You could, I think, digitally download them and you own them for life for like $9.99. And then we have a pivot chair channel, which is the RF video vault. And again, all of this is linked on rfvideo.com and you pay like, I think it's $9.99 a month and you can watch a lot of our library and we're always adding new content to it. So it's a pretty cool deal. And that's on RFvideo.com as well. And, uh, we also, we also just, uh, signed by superstars. Totally forgot about that. Another website. Again, it's all linked on RF videos, main page. So it's, uh, basically if you're into collecting autographed merchandise and eight by 10 posters and, uh, ring worn outfits, you go to signed by and check that out as well. And we are in the process in the next week, uh, we're going to be launching something very, very big. And, uh, I'll want to. I do your next show. I can talk about it because nobody's really knows about it. So I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet. But uh, it's going to be something that we've been working on for about a year, and uh, something that I'm very excited about launching with uh, somebody else. It's going to be uh, very interesting.
0: You heard it here, folks. folks. He's going to come back sometime and, and break the news. Oh, 100. percent This new venture here. This is this is awesome. Once again, Rob, I, we really appreciate you. Thank you. The man behind our video the man behind Ring of Honor, the man that continues to be a strong talent scout and developer of the pro wrestling industry. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. If you want to understand
3: what's happening today, take a look
1: at what happened yesterday,
3: right? What happened in the past to get us to this point? When I think about the pro wrestling industry and how, it is no longer owned by the big man. I think about Ring of Honor, especially the early days of Ring of Honor. Here's a guy that was there behind the scenes when the whole ECW craze was happening at the, at the height of that. Right. He was the one who's recording the footage. Oh, man. But beyond that, I mean, Rob, through that that RF video, that was the number one place where you could get the absolute best wrestling from around the world in one spot. Rob had the scoop on who the top stars were in Japan and England, all over the country, the best indie shows. He had it, man. Still does. So I got a lot of time for Rob Feinstein, and and I'll tell you, when we think about the chat rooms like he brought a prodigy prodigy chat there was yahoo aol so much cbs sports line there were so many different places where fans found each other and we could talk about this stuff and then the tape trading and then when the napster thing happened and now we're digitizing and we're sharing matches from all over the world and feeding this fandom this is before what we have today that's why it's funny when when I hear people talk about social media. Social media's been around a long time. Social media's been around. It wasn't Facebook groups. It was it was chat rooms. That was social media. That's how we got in touch with each other. That's how we found each other. It's funny. I got a lot of time for Rob, man. That dude is a he's like a walking monument for pro wrestling because he has helped so many careers. He's given so many people opportunities to be seen. The masses, awesome! Can't wait to have him back on to dig even more into some of this stuff. Just really cool. Listen, folks, welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. As you know, this is the show about the top stories in pro wrestling and everything else. That's right, that's right. We had a crazy weekend, man. The return of Conor McGregor, right? You MMA fans, I didn't forget about you guys, you mixed martial arts fans. Conor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone. It happened this past Saturday, and boy, did it happen! Right? In fact, I'm gonna listen. I got something special. Your friend and mine, the man Reed. Let's get him on the line to talk about this. This Conor McGregor return.
0: Now, I, I have to preface this whole conversation here, folks. Reed is a big star. And because he's a big star, <laughs> I have a tough time getting him on the line. But he has he has decided to give me a few short minutes to address the Duke Loves Wrestling audience. Uh, so without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, okay, Mr. Television,
2: Reed. <laughs> Brother Duke, you are way too kind. I'm not near as big of a deal as you say, but I like hearing you say it. <laughs>
0: I noticed you didn't stop me, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's a grand, grand introduction. <laughs> listen, Reed, what
0: the hell just happened during that UFC uh, uh, card there, man? I, I mean, listen, I, I went to the restroom, and then I went to grab a beer, and I got my chips and my dip, and I, I'm like, yeah, we're about to see a, at least a three-round uh, slugfest, and things are going to go down here. you got Cowboy Cerrone versus – Uh, Conor McGregor, and this is Conor's comeback fight, and he's been on his best behavior and all this, so this should be good. You know, this is going to be a a, a war. The damn match was over before it even started.
2: Yeah, uh, a lot of people are throwing shade at Cowboy. Oh, he's shot worn He was a has-been. UFC gave Conor a gimme. Uh, You have to look at Cowboy's credentials, first of all. Most head kicks in UFC history, I believe most wins. Maybe more fights. He's a tough, grizzled veteran. And, I mean, he loves to fight, man. And he's, and he's a fan favorite. It just made sense from, uh, money per See, Connor, here's the problem with Connor. He's too ambitious for his own good. So yeah, I'll go jump in the ring with no fights and fight 50 and old Floyd Mayweather with no boxing experience. And then after that, he takes a year off and he comes back. First fight out of the gate in UFC is against freaking Khabib Nurmagomedov. Madoff. So with this approach now, Dana's like, look, bro, we're going to take we're gonna take this step. You're gonna, you know, uh, a wise man once said, how do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. Can't eat him all at once. Take this Cowboy fight. Cowboy on paper should have been competitive. I will say when I heard him constantly say he was going to stand and strike with Connor, I myself said, okay, if he's really going to do that, And Cowboy ain't one of them dudes that's going to say he's going to zig left to really zig right and fool you. He's always kind of a man of his word. When I knew he planned on staying and standing and trading with Connor, I was like, yeah, he ain't going to last two rounds, man. Which makes it that much more shocking to me that this shit lasted 40 seconds, dude, 40 to him. Like you say, you said you went to the bathroom, got a beer, and then you hear, oh, in the crowd. It was over. Like a Tyson fight or some shit from back in the 90s
0: did you expect it to go as quickly as it did? Because that was just, it was not competitive. It was just a a straight butt whooping uh, through and through.
2: No. And to be specific, it it was clinical. The shoulder strikes, I mean, I've seen shoulder strikes before. They're very, they're not common. They're kind of like foot stomps in the octagon. You don't see them a lot. But I've never seen, I've never personally seen better usage, of a shoulder strike than what Connor used against Cowboy. It was either he, he shoulder strike him three times. I believe the second strike is what busted up Cowboy's nose, had his eyes all puffy and shit and watery. I mean, it, it was, it was masterful. And with him being a taller guy, Cowboy being taller than Connor, uh, if Connor stays at 170, pretty much everybody he fights will be taller than him. And a lot of them like to grapple. Well, those shoulder strikes said, "Okay, go ahead, come clinch me, and, and see see how these shoulder strikes feel." Very masterful approach and attack. It immediately distracted Cowboy. Then left left head uh left leg kick to the head of UFC's leg kick champion, head kick champion. Round and pound. It's a wrap, man. It was all things considered. No, no one thought Cowboy would win. But no one thought Connor would get him out of there in 40 seconds either. I'm a happy medium type of guy when it comes to that.
0: Explain to everybody what you mean by shoulder strikes, because literally I know that for anyone who didn't see the fight or doesn't really understand the game, they're going to miss that. And this is such a key component to the entire match. What is a shoulder strike and, and, and how did that factor into the match?
2: So... Uh, the bell rings. Connor tried to catch him early, he, he through a punch, and he ended up cowboy ducked. And Connor's thigh kind of hit cowboy in the shoulder. Right then, cowboy grabs Connor to try to control him. He's the bigger, stronger guy. Very natural move to do. In the process, once cowboy is holding Connor and he's standing with him, the tendency you're going to put your head either on your opponent's right shoulder or left shoulder. Is this? You're not going to sit there and just look him in his eyes. You want your head out of the way. So you're going to pick right or left shoulder. Cowboy chose Connor's left shoulder. He's like three, two and a half, three inches taller than Connor also. So then what Connor did, he would dip a little bit, dip one or two inches low and then BAM! He used his left shoulder and feel your own shoulder, feel that bone there and recognize Connor probably had 4% body fat in the cage that night. So he literally rammed his left shoulder into Cowboy's face and nose, as the case would be, three different times. The second time, you could see his nose just explode. It's a legal shot. I mean, in, in MMA, you can strike with the shoulders, I believe with the palms. I know you can punch, you can kick, you can elbow. can't do 12 to 6 elbows, but you can do back-spinning elbows or side elbows. It's just not commonly used, certainly not a fight in a fight that I've seen this big and certainly not as effectively as I saw with Connor. It was that was the story of the fight to me. And like I said, this is going to give any taller opponent of his something to very much be concerned with moving down the road. Absolutely.
0: Sure, sure. So where do we go from here? I mean, what do you expect if you were booking it? What's the next fight that Connor needs to needs to take because? At this point now, I mean, what are they? They did like over two million dollars or something crazy like that on the, on the pay per view buys. Um,
2: yeah, Connor Gold. In terms of that, he he could fight he could fight Reed BBS or Duke Loves Wrestling, and two million people. He could fight a woman, and two million people will watch it. He's he's the straw that stirs the drink in UFC. He's the straw, he's the flavoring, and he's the ice to make the drink cooler. That's who he is in UFC. Put it this way: the the C in UFC stands for Connor. And the M in MMA stands for McGregor. Like, belt, no belt, champ, no champ. He's running this shit right now. He, he's running it. Just, it's, it's like that, dude. And I love him personally. I love him. I love him.
0: So who do you put him in the ring with next? Where's Where's the money fight for, for Reed? What is the safest fight that's still going to give you a high return financially? What makes sense to you?
2: I think the biggest money fight right now Khabib is fighting Tony Ferguson in April, I believe. So he's not even an option. And if Tony wins that fight, they're probably going to have an immediate rematch. So even though Dana White said Conor is absolutely obsessed with fighting Khabib, up to the point of wanting to fight a rematch with Khabib in Russia, mind you, Dana's like that ain't happening not in Russia. But we gotta, we can't worry about Conor Khabib until Khabib Tony. I I think financially. Jorge Masvidal, game-bred Masvidal, is perfect. He had a stellar year in 2019, the five-second flying knee KO of Ben Askren, and he bloodied up Nate Diaz and stopped him. In terms of competitiveness and money and just drawing, they, they would get even higher pay-per-view sales than Conor Cowboy did because Masvidal is hot right now, too. He's hotter than fist grease right now. But that said, if I'm Conor's coach, I want a slow progression. I would go Nate Diaz again. Nate Diaz ain't beating Conor at this point. Nate Diaz's skin, his scar. he's got scar tissue everywhere. Like a a five-year-old girl could jab Nate in his eye, and his shit would start bleeding immediately. It's like that. That's where I would go if I'm in Conor's camp. But if it's just about money, competition, he could go uh, Mazdal next. There's Kamaru Usman, who had the very emotional uh, victory over Colby Covington. But, again, these dudes are 170 pounds, Duke. They're a lot bigger. Uh, and, and these dudes, Mazadal and Usman, are a lot fresher than Cowboy is. It, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But to answer your question finally, I would personally take Nate because people would buy that also. And they're technically one and one in their series. So there, there would be a bit of intrigue to see who could finally win that trilogy.
0: What's this nonsense that – um Our our boy, uh, pretty boy, Floyd Mayweather, what's he talking about right now?
2: Uh, Him and Dana are working up something. Dana White is starting a branch separate from UFC called Zufa Boxing. He hasn't given any details other than Floyd will be involved. We don't know in what capacity. Will Floyd help him promote? Will Floyd uh, fight? Will Floyd be like a striking coach? Like we ha they they just keep flirting that, hey you never know, man. Uh Floyd, Connor too could happen. They're keeping all possibilities open. And predictably, as soon as uh hell Connor knocked out Cowboy in forty seconds. Well within forty seconds after that, Floyd and uh Manny Pacquiao had already tagged uh Connor McGregor on social media with with some teasers. So I personally hope we don't see any more of the boxing. Cause for one, Floyd's like 137 years old. And Manny's like 133 years old. I don't want to see him. If Connor's going to box, box a legit young, uh, championship level boxer. I don't want to see. I'm just, Manny's still fighting legit guys. So I would be more accepting of that. But Floyd, he's just doing these money grab ass fights. And I'm not, I'm not really with that personally. But I mean, it's Connor's life. It's his money. Dana liked working with Floyd on the promotion of uh, Mayweather McGregor. And all he will say in detail is that Floyd will be a part of this. That's no more no less. He hasn't elaborated any further than that.
0: Do you think it would make sense for McGregor to go find a payday with the WWE at this point? Because, I mean, you know, he's so hot. And the kind of money that they're making right now is so big. Do you think now is the time to strike that iron for at least a match or a big time appearance, or do you think you need to stay away from that and just focus on MMA right now?
2: Uh I, you know, I can only speak for myself. I kind of like Daniel Cormier's approach to WWE. He knows it's always there in his back pocket. When he's officially done, done with UFC. You know, it's always there. I would reflect, like like Ronda Rousey's doing. Once she couldn't win any more UFC matches, couldn't beat up any more women in UFC, and her girls, the four women, they went to WWE, and I have no problem with that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really care for Tyson Fury having his match, and he's still an active boxer, you know, lineal heavyweight champion, and now you're fighting Deontay Wilder. But it, it is what it is. It is. I, I personally would not do it. No, I'd wait till he's exercised all demons, worn all the belts he's wanted to win, fought in all the big stadiums he could possibly fight in, and then when he knows he's no longer that dude in UFC, okay, yeah, then go ahead and pursue WWE.
0: You brought him up, so let's let's finish on this end here. Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I mean, (laughs) Fury said some kind of crazy stuff, talking about he masturbates five times a day, uh, as he's training to fight Wilder, I don't know what one has to do with the other. <laughs> what, what, what is going on, Reed? I don't. I just. I don't know.
2: I can't say I heard that, but I mean, I know you're you're very reliable, and credible. So theory he's a he's a good talker. He likes to say some off the wall shit. You know, he's the fighting mind. He's he's that dude. Uh, what I know about boxing is. He better stop masturbating at least about uh, two weeks before he fights Wilder, or his legs will be shit. So whether he's really masturbating, for one, he's got a beautiful wife. Like his wife is, look up Paris, uh, look up Paris Fury when you get a chance, or if you can't attach a picture of her to this this video we're doing right now, Paris Fury is fine. Like instead of masturbating, bro, why don't you fly her ass over to where you're at in training camp and let her work that out for you? But you know that's not my business. Now, my, speaking of hot women, I want to give a shout out to the Hooters waitresses because it was Conor McGregor night, and they had their varsity D cup, D cup level, bro. It wasn't no JV throwaway Hooter girls. They had their, they had the top flight girls
1: uh, last night.
2: That's how Conor does it, man. That's that's the Conor, that's the Conor McGregor effect. And I'm a married man. I didn't say shit to him. Hell, they was all probably fucking 21 anyway. You know what I'm saying? But it was. It made it easier to get through tonight. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> oh man, you were crazy, Reed. You were crazy. Uh,
0: who, who's going to win that fight? Who's going to win that fight? Is, is it is it the uh, Mister Five Day Five Times a Day while training, or, <laughs> or is he going to beat Deontay? there? it's
2: uh it's going to be very similar to the first fight, which I personally scored for Fury. But at the same time, he barely beat the count on that knockdown that in the 12th round. Fury knows Wilder has the power to knock him smooth out and then Chris Tucker standing over him like Friday or like Smokey and Friday. That can – that's very likely to happen, but it's also likely that Fury can – he's going to be too slick. He's going to have better defense. So I can't give a prediction just yet till I see their weights and get some backstories in uh, the training camps. I'll give you a definitive prediction before the fight, which I believe is February 22nd. But right now, I will tell you, it'll play out almost exactly like the first. Fury will win more rounds, but whenever Wilder makes contact, he's going to noticeably uh, hurt and or drop and or possibly KO Fury for sure. It's worth watching for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, that first fight was such an entertaining fight to watch. And, you know, it went the distance. So it was it was entertaining as hell. So I can't wait.
2: Here's the beauty the of that fight. For the first time ever, we have Fox Sports and ESPN doing a joint pay-per-view venture. This has never happened. This is unprecedented. But the, the money, the fight is that big, there's that much money at stake that both of these entities are, are putting their competitiveness aside. And they're like, yeah, there's enough money for all, for both sides to be happy here. Which means it's gonna go it's gonna go through the roof, dude. Go through the and, roof. And you know, Reed, you predicted that.
0: I mean there were a lot of folks who said that it would never happen again because Fury had signed that big deal With E
2: S P N, right. You were, right.
0: You were on the show as soon as he signed that deal. And you said it right then and there. You said that yeah, it's gonna happen. It it has to happen.
2: Right, it was delayed and I wish it I wish it had been an immediate rematch. I believe Fury's had three fights since then, but now we're getting it, and three fights and a wrestling match, to be honest. But then we uh, we get it February 22nd. So at this point, I don't care about the last three fights. You know, the fight I want to see is about to happen. So all that having to wait stuff is irrelevant to me at this point. Good call.
0: Good call. Listen, Reed, if, if folks want to reach out, they want to check out your podcast, the whole nine yards, go
2: ahead, plug away, man. Plug away. Uh, search for Reed BBS, BBS. on YouTube. Uh Read BBS Televisión. I do uh, several podcasts a week, uh, mostly about boxing, but also about mixed martial arts. Ironically, I'm dropping a Connor cowboy podcast tonight. It might even already be up because I actually hit send on it, so it might even be up as we're speaking. But, yeah, check me out, man. You won't be disappointed. I have a kind of off-kilter but harmless sense of humor. Uh, I'm not a creepy old dude, but I'd like to... I like to look at the menu from time to time, if you know what I'm saying. And, yeah, I know my shit about combat sports. At the end of the day, I know my shit. I won't tell you nothing. If I don't know something I say, I don't know it. But please check me out. You won't be disappointed.
0: And, you know, that that's really the beauty of you, Reed, and, and definitely appreciated having you on the show over the past few years because, just like you said, if if there's something you don't know, you're the first one to admit it. I don't know that. You're going to have to give me some more information about that, or I'm going to defer to you on that. Um, but everything else, the stuff that you do know, you sure as hell know it. So.
2: Well, I own it. But, and the thing is, especially these days, everyone's looking to say, aha, you were wrong. So it's, it's better to say, bro, I just don't know, than to run with some erroneous information because someone is dying to call you out on your platform. So, yeah, you got to be careful with that sure.
3: Always fun to talk to my man, Reed. What a great dude. What a great dude. Just knows his stuff. Doesn't pull any punches. You know, you know, it'd be funny. And I was thinking about this the other day. Can you imagine if if Reed and Brad Shepard recorded talking to each other about anything? How crazy would that be? Two guys that don't bite their tongues. They don't hold back. They just kind of let it out. That, that would be an entertaining uh, listen. I got to get these guys together, man. It's fun. It's fun stuff. Listen, we are on the road to Royal Rumble. That's coming up this weekend. And I figured I would just go over a few things. In addition to the Royal Rumble matches, the men's and women's matches, which, by the way, as as an aside, before I even dig into that, did you hear the news? Becky Lynch suggested that maybe WWE should get rid of this this men's and women's stuff get rid of the gender pronouns for the titles and then on NXT they actually did they just stopped calling they referred to Rhea Ripley as the NXT champion they didn't refer to her as the NXT women's champion that was pretty interesting the internet is going wild over that by the way a lot of people are not happy with it I don't know why I don't even think they know why some people are happy with it. I got to tell you, me personally, I don't mind it one bit. I think it's fine. It just It's it's very strange to me that people will automatically resist change. They will automatically have a problem with change. Think about this for a second. And it's funny because uh, Dusty's wife, Brandy, she brought this up and she made me think about it. And, and she had a great point what do you do if a transgender wrestler or a non-binary wrestler wins one of these these uh, world championships you're going to call it the men's championship or the women's championship does that even make sense I know some of you oh my god what do you mean it can happen it can happen hell billy d williams said that he doesn't necessarily see himself as a man or a woman he just he just is he's non-binary it could happen and what you a lot of folks don't realize is there's a lot of legal ramifications for these classifications and stuff these are discussions that aren't going away so you got to really think about and be forward thinking about how you've been doing things and just because you did it one way for so long it doesn't mean it can't change doesn't mean you can't update it It doesn't mean you can't modernize and who does it hurt I can tell you uh, personally I have a problem with the fact that we treat women's wrestling as if it is less than right and it all starts with how the wrestling promotions promote women's wrestling and women's athletes. Right? Less than. We'll take that women's part out. Let's say we have the WWE champion and the universal champion. So that, so we have those two, right? Okay. Bray Wyatt is the universal champion. Brock Lesnar is the WWE champion. And then we have a Raw champion and a SmackDown champion. Imagine that. What would you say to that? Bailey is the SmackDown champion. Becky Lynch is the Raw champion. What's the problem? Would anybody have a problem with that? Really? Who cares? And an NXT. I mean, I don't know if there's anything to figure out. Sounds like they've already figured it out. You got the, nxt champion and who knows maybe you can call the other one the nxt world champion who knows i just know that there are reasons and before you want to deadpan it and, and and be disrespectful about it let's have more discussion let's ask the wwe to explain this what's the what's the thought process behind it before you determine whether or not you agree or disagree dig a little deeper it's okay you're gonna be okay <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, I support it. That's right. Okay, so we got the Royal Rumble. First match that I see listed there is Andrade versus Humberto, and this is for the United States Championship. Listen, Andrade has been putting on some of the best wrestling that you'll see anywhere. That dude is just so talented, so great. I enjoy watching him do everything him and ray mysterio tore the house down again this past this past monday they had a ladder match on raw it was just fantastic raw beat everything raw even beat the celtics versus the lakers that's how good raw was this past monday you won't listen the the websites and everybody and the and the screamers out there on their different podcasts they won't admit that to you don't tell you that raw is, is just terrible can't watch it it's insufferable whatever okay well it beat everything in the ratings you guys put such a premium on ratings well, it beat everything could have been that bad it beat the Celtics and the Lakers LeBron James was in that game think about that anyway I'm picking Andrade to beat Humberto I don't like that Humberto he's, he's talented something about him I just don't like put a mask on that guy I don't like his face I don't know if it's because he's being pushed as a baby face, and I can see that he's really a heel handsome guy but just kind of something about him that just doesn't sit right with me I'm going on all the way next up we have the Smackdown women uh, well the Smackdown champion no, no more of this women's stuff I'm not gonna say that Smackdown champion Bailey she's taking on Lacey Evans somehow some way they flip Lacey into a baby face. And let me tell you something, Lacey Evans is not a baby face. Just naturally she's not a baby face. So this is interesting. Is it time to take the championship off of Bailey and Bailey can chase? Yeah, why not? It'll be different. Leading up to WrestleMania and then Bailey can win it back or Sasha can win it or something yeah why not put it on Lacey not going to hurt anybody to make Lacey champion who's that going to hurt do it I'm going with Lacey Evans I want to see her as champion I want to see what she can do with the Smackdown Championship put it on her let's see what happens it's different and I like the idea of, of a heel Bailey chasing I like that that's interesting to me as well and what could happen let's say that sasha gets the nod to challenge champion Lacey at wrestlemania and somehow some way bailey is the reason why sasha doesn't win or she's the reason why sasha wins you can set up the program between those two at any point which i hope we're, we're leading to that because that's probably the best women's match you can put on outside of Charlotte being involved in it. Probably is. That's another story. Shout out to the Four Horsewomen. We got uh, Shorty G versus Sheamus. We already know where this is going. Sheamus is going to destroy Shorty G. It just is what it is roman reigns versus king corbin i hope king corbin beats the daylights out of roman roman reigns it's a fall count anywhere match whatever come on corbin take him out becky lynch versus oscar for the the raw championship i'm going with oscar all the way that's my girl the fiend versus daniel bryan and and this is a strap match for the universal championship It's not time to take the belt off of the fiend, I don't think so. I I worry about Daniel Bryan in this situation because he doesn't wear a shirt or anything, so you're going to see those marks. You're going to see those welts. You're going to see it all over his body, man. It's going to be a long night. He's going to need a lot of Epsom salt after that. Then we have the women's Royal Rumble match and then the men's Royal Rumble match. Now... For the first one, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, Sarah Logan, and Natty, they've all declared. That's five people. There are 30 spots. So 25 more people have to declare for the first Rumble match of the night. On the other side, you got Brock Lesnar, who's a champion, by the way, WWE champion. AJ Styles Eric Rowan Randy Orton Ray Mysterio Ricochet who got kicked in a ding ding by Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre from Raw those guys are going to be in the the match there Roman Reigns as well he's going to be in the match although I think Roman is a Smackdown guy Elias King Corbin Otis Dolph Ziggler Tucker they're all in the in the Royal Rumble Rusev, Bobby Lashley, Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy, Braun Strowman, Shinsuke Nakamura, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, Kofi Kingston, Biggie, Our Truth. Those are all the people who have been announced for the Royal Rumble match, second one of the night, and that's twenty-five people. So there's five left, and it brings up an interesting point that uh, Brad Shepard he and his co-host were talking about on the oh you didn't know podcast there interesting listen because those guys they just now Brad Shepard he's a a firecracker man you're going to find yourself either agreeing or disagreeing with him there's no in between but he brought up a good point there's only five slots left and there are no NXT people in this match for the Royal Rumble at least one of those matches the men you got to ask yourself well, what the hell is going to happen here and how do we say that NXT is not developmental and that it's main roster like the other two shows if they're only going to have potentially five men from their roster in this match That's a good point I don't have anything to add to that it just it's a good point I guess you can't look at NXT as quote unquote the main roster. They're getting there, but they ain't there yet. And I'm still not sure that the NXT people even make as much money as the people in RAW or SmackDown. So there's that too. You're not you're not equal if you're not getting similar pay, if you're not on the similar pay scale. You're not equal. Sure, there's experience and job performance and things like that that affect why you would get paid more than somebody else, of course. But on the basic level, whoever gets brought in, on the basic level, on the bottom, the lowest person on the totem pole on that brand should be getting paid comparable to the lowest person on the totem pole on the other brands. If it's equal, clearly it's not. So that's interesting. But overall, I think it's gonna be a, a fun show. Royal Rumble. I'm looking forward to it. Another show I'm looking forward to is um you know NWA. They have a pay-per-view coming up. In fact, it's gonna be Friday. I don't know if a lot of folks even realize that. Because, you know, traditionally we're just not used to Friday pay-per-views. But NWA hard times. And I'm going to tell you right now, the match that I care the most about, the one that I want to see the most, Thunder Rosa versus Allison Kay. That's going to be a fun match. And I'm hoping that Thunder Rosa walks out of there with some NWA gold around her waist. I would love to see that. I think that she's just fantastic, having a great couple of years not just a year, a couple of years. She just, she she's kicked it up a notch, man. Traveling all over the world, winning titles, beating people up. It's what she does. It's great. So that's the match I'm looking forward to see. There's a lot going on in that card and no disrespect to it, but the match that I want to see is Allison Kay and Thunder Rosa. I want to see them tear the house down and I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Fun stuff. I want to I give a shout out to AEW. They had that Jericho cruise and, you know, I was having a little fun online. Some some of the folks got a little upset at me because I pointed out the diversity of the crowd of the people on the Jericho cruise. Some accused me of pointing out the lack thereof. Someone said, oh, come on, Duke. There's a black guy in that picture. OK. It's like, I don't know, hundreds of people in the picture and you. like where's Waldo oh I found a black guy good for you Um, look it is what it is folks right whoever the AEW fan base is they are a demographic and when you're missing certain demographics you have to start asking the question well where are they because we know they're part of the general wrestling fan population right where are they good question and I'm sure you know Tony Khan is an analytics guy I'm sure he knows what his fan base is just seems like it's heavily white male to me which ironically is what the top of their card is and that's fine if that's what you want to focus on they say want to focus on their core audience then that's what they're focusing on. This is why you don't see a lot of women's content from them or an emphasis on their women's content because clearly women aren't their core audience. And that's fine. Everybody deserves to be marketed to. I just don't know how inclusive and all this other stuff you can claim to be when that's not reflected as heavily on your roster as you would have led people to believe it is, but that whatever. Shout out to Chris Jericho. He he put on his his, uh, Jericho cruise and you know, the the whole concept of a wrestling event happening on a cruise is pretty cool. Setup of the ring was interesting. I mean, the fans could basically touch the ring. That's how close they were. Um, Setup of the ring was interesting. Dynamite, you know, it, it looked like an entertaining episode. The wrestling content, not so much. But overall, you know, because it was different. It was interesting. NXT was NXT. Shout out to Keith Lee. He won the North American Championship. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. That dude's a star. I saw CM Punk said that Keith Lee should win the Royal Rumble. That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. It would be interesting if that happened. I don't think it's going to happen because... What are you saying to the rest of the roster when this guy gets to leapfrog everybody? I don't know about that. I think Keith Lee needs some more time in NXT. Prove that you can be a star of that before we start having you win Royal Rumbles. I don't know about that. Punk. But Punk is, you know, Punk is Punk. Punk was never the guy that the mainstream was going to choose to lead anything had to walk into the room and grab the flag. No one was going to give it to him. So I can understand. He see those qualities in certain other people. Keith Lee. It's cool. It's, you know, we have so much to be appreciative of in the wrestling industry and, and again we're on the road to Wrestlemania right now and everybody's affected by Wrestlemania we know this all your favorite indies go down to wherever Wrestlemania is and they get to eat off of this mega event that the WWE's created because they run their shows throughout the whole week and people who are from all over the world go to those shows as well spend money it's a big convention for everybody the industry the industry the industry Survives off of WrestleMania, or at least thrives off of WrestleMania, and we're we're getting to that point. It's coming up a couple months. It's a great time, man! Great time to be a wrestling fan. And I want to just—I'm putting that out there because I just want to remind everybody: we don't have to agree on everything that we talk about, right? We don't have to agree. But it would be nice if we would be just a little bit more respectful toward each other. And who knows, I may be asking too much. But some of the stuff that I see, some of the things that I see people say to each other. Hey, some of the things that some people say to me. And I'm a guy, I'll never cuss you. I'm not going to cuss you. I'm not going to carry on with you. In fact, I'll be very respectful to you even when I'm dressing you down I'm the nicest guy you ever get dressed down with you can bet on that because you're not going to take me out of my character I just wish there were more people who saw things from that perspective so many of you will cuss and rage and carry on and just ugh and then what's interesting is that a lot of you are going through some pretty tough times in life because you post about that stuff online you you I guess that's therapy. Fine. Do it. But it's just interesting when you see somebody who is going through a, a really tough time in life. And they're posting about that. And then they turn around and they want to cuss somebody out online because they prefer one wrestling show over another. Or in my case, because I brought somebody uh, on the show to interview. And you don't like that person. Very strange. It's a news show. What do you What do you think I'm, I'm doing here? Anyway. It would be nice if we could be a little nicer to each other, or at least a little more respectful to each other. We're not going to agree on everything. And that's okay. I don't agree with with anybody on everything. But let's find a way in 2020 to just add a little more respect onto it, right? You know what I say at the end of, of each episode of this show, folks? Be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. What do you think that really means? Give yourself a break. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't beat yourself up so much. Don't focus on the negatives of what's going on in your life so much. Be kind to yourself. And when you're able to be kind to yourself, you can extend that kindness to others. Right? There's nothing wrong with critiquing something and pointing out, I don't like that. I want to see that change. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you promised to give me A, and yet you're delivering B. I find something wrong with that. That's okay. But once you turn it into cussing and threatening and all kinds of nonsense, it's like, come on. Be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. That's all I got. Until next week, folks. You know it. Say it to yourself. I'm I'm not even going to say it again. You say it. Say it out loud. There you go. Take it away, Tony Schiavone.
1: Mr. Tony Schiavone. And we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.